spend some time in prayer together. Um, Brother Wayne is feeling a little under the weather, so we're going to pray for Brother Wayne tonight. And uh, I know many of you are saying, we need to pray for you, Brother John, if you're preaching. But anyway, uh, amen, I knew that'd get amen. But we want to pray uh, tonight for our, those in the hospital. Um, let's, let's remember um, Lisa McCard, she's one of our church members, she's at Phoebe Putney. Uh, she may be released tomorrow, but she's had new developments in, in her cancer. We want to continue to pray for her, Lisa McCard. We want to pray um, uh, for Robbie Griffin. He was recently released uh, from the hospital. We want to pray uh, as he recovers. We want to continue to pray for Jack Bennett. Uh, Jack Bennett's been in our prayers. Uh, he was in the hospital and uh, released yesterday. Um, we want to continue to pray in the hospital right now. 
in Tifton is John David Wood. He's like six months old, and this precious little fella uh, had numerous tests, and, and he had a severe kidney infection. We want to pray for this little guy, uh, just a precious little fella. He's the, the son of uh, Russ and Maria Wood. Um, that's Maria Filatico. Also, we want to lift up um, Doris Tift. That's uh, Tealy Sumner's um, mother, and uh, she's in ICU. We want to continue to, to lift her up um, in prayer tonight. Uh, related to our church, uh, Mike Marchant was uh, recently in the hospital, and he was released, too. We want to continue to, to pray for him. So let's go to the Lord as a, as a body tonight and, and lift these up in prayer. Lord Jesus, we've been just spending time in prayer already through praise. And Lord, it is just glorious what you have done for us. Father, nobody else has left the glories of heaven and and a kingly crown and left all that to come to rescue us. Only you've done that, Jesus. And we just thank you tonight that you, would, you were willing to do that for each one of us. Not just each one of us, but for every person on this planet, Father. And Father, we realize in light of all that you've done that these requests that we bring tonight, are, though they mean so much to us, it's, it's a small request for you to grant. And so, Father, we pray for our sister, Lisa. Lord, we know she faces uh, incredible odds and obstacles, but we pray that you would just touch her. We pray that you would heal her. Pray that you would just give her strength and confidence in the, the battle that she faces with her health. Father, we ask especially... Tonight, for a little young John David Wood, that you would just continue that healing process in his life. This precious, energetic young boy will just be healed and, and be returned to the safety of his own home soon. Father, we also want to lift up Miss Doris and that you would just um, speak healing and peace to her, give her strength, even as she uh, rests, that uh, you would just. Give her precious thoughts and, and memories of great things you've done in and through her and her family. Just comfort and encourage her. Be with that family. Father, we also want to pray for Robbie and Jack as they've recently been hospitalized and Mike, that you would just speed healing to them as they recover at home now or at nursing homes. Father, that you would just minister to them. Father, we thank you for... The, just the privilege of, of worshiping tonight with those that we love. To be in this, the same room and to just to sing our praises to you and to see the smiles on each other's face and to just be able to encourage one another. So we invite you now to continue to move in our midst. We invite you to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Hymn number 335 is standing on the promises. Hebrews 10, 3, 23 says that he who promised us is faithful. Will you stand as we sing? Standing on the promises. you for your wonderful and matchless name. Lord, you are faithful, and we know that every good and perfect gift comes from you. My heart is overflowing with thanksgiving, Father, for you surely have provided all that I've ever needed. I pray as we come now bringing our offerings that you will find us faithful stewards of our time and our talents and our possessions. And I pray, Lord, that the intent of our hearts will be pleasing to you 
It is in the name of Jesus, my Lord and Savior, I pray. Amen. Let our praise be a welcome. Let our songs be a sign. We are here for you. We are here for you. Let your breath come from heaven. Fill our hearts with your life. We are here for you. We are here for you. To you our hearts are open. Nothing here is hidden. Be welcome in this place. 
amazing how God puts a song right before a sermon. What do you say? You're welcome in this place? And the title of this message is At Home in Your Heart. Is he at home in your heart? Ephesians chapter 3 is going to be our focus tonight. Ephesians 3 verses 14 to 21. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Paul writes, he says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, To be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints... What is the breadth and the length and the height and depth? And to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power of That works within us. To him be the glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus. To all generations. Forever and ever. Amen. Kenneth Wiest. A commentator. Translator of the scriptures. Translates verse 17. That I just read. Like this. He translates it. That. The Christ might finally settle down and feel completely at home in your hearts. You know, it really does take some time to get settled and to feel comfortable, doesn't it? Uh, Especially if you move into a new home. Any of y'all ever, have you ever moved? Anybody? Moved to a new home? A few of us have, some Living in the same home we grew up in, but not too many. It really does take some time to get settled and to feel completely at home when you move. Uh, even the first few weeks, even though it's your house, you still kind of feel like a guest in your own home. Finally, after weeks or maybe even months, after you've kind of put a personal touch on your own home, you begin to feel, you know, this really is my home now. You know, it would seem... Rather strange, I think, to us to have a person live in their house for years and years and yet still have the feeling of of being a guest or not being comfortable or settled. So two questions that we're going to look at tonight from God's Word. The first one is this. Has Jesus Christ made your heart His residence? Has Jesus Christ made your heart His residence? And second question is this. Have you allowed Jesus Christ to finally settle down 
and feel completely at home in your heart. So let's look at the first question. Has Jesus Christ made your heart his residence? Paul shares with the Ephesian believers here his prayer to God. And Paul talked to God because, obviously, we realize he had a personal relationship with the Father. Here he says he he bows before him. That word before means face-to-face with God. Indicating a very personal, intimate relationship with God. He humbled himself through serious prayer before God. And he said, God is the father of all living beings in heaven and on earth in terms of their creator. But that intimate, that personal relationship with God, that experience of salvation is only found in Jesus Christ. Do you remember what it says in John 1.12? In John 1.12, we read, it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name. The men and women, the boys and girls, the teenagers who are children of God are those who have actually received him who have believed in His name. And so the question tonight is, have you ever actually become a child of God? Have you actually ever received Jesus Christ? In Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, He stands at the door, the door of our hearts and lives, and He wants to come in. But will we open the door to Him? He says if we're willing just to open that door to him and to receive him, then he's going to give us the right to become a child of God. How many of you tonight have the right to vote in the United States of America? A couple of you do. Okay, the rest of you don't. Okay, all right. You got the right to to vote in the United States of America. That's, That's an important right. How many of you tonight, you have the right to free speech in the United States of America. Okay, most of you realize that you do have that. Good. That's good. But do you realize tonight that if if you would just simply, in your heart of hearts, tonight, if you would, in, in the intimacy of your own heart, if you would repent of your sins, and you'd place your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, That God himself would give you, it's his gift, the right to become a child of God. You know, it was a time of homecoming in our lives as a family years ago. I, like many of you, kind of had a hometown. I grew up over in Albany and... And had lived there for many, many years. But then my dad, during the Vietnam War, you know, was in, enlisted in the service and served. And, and then he had a couple of duty stations at Fort Benning and then the Panama Canal Zone. And so we, we had to move away from Albany for about, I guess it was about three years. But I was thrilled that in the middle of seventh grade, we moved back to Albany. Back to the house, 12, same house, 1207 Fifth Avenue. 
Right across the street from my house was Palmyra Elementary School, where I had gone to elementary school. Two blocks down on Slappy Boulevard was Dupree Drugstore, where every Saturday when I'd get my allowance as a little kid, I'd run down there and you know, buy candy bars as soon as possible. As soon as that money hit my hand, pew, I was down there. When we moved back there, the McDaniels were still across the street from us. And never forget the McDaniels because at Christmas, one year, it was this beautiful, you know, wood that he had cut out of, um, uh, I can't think of the word, plywood. Uh, the nativity scene he had cut out and they put the hay in there. And then the next year, it would be this beautiful plywood display that he had cut out and painted of Santa Claus and the reindeer and all this. So you, you just remember the McDaniels always lived there across the street from us. The Paulsons, Mr. Paulson was from Denmark. He was a tool and die maker. You know, with Wilson, he was always there. And then the Smiths beside us. A lot of things were familiar. But when we moved back to Albany, a lot of things had changed. Even though we'd been gone only three years, lo and behold, they built a McDonald's in Albany. Yeah, that was big news. They built it just about three blocks away from my house there on Slappy Boulevard. And of course, all my friends that I had known were now in what we call junior high school then. Middle school now, we call it. And the junior high wasn't right across the street like Palmyra Elementary was. And a lot of the people that I knew, well, they weren't at my junior high school. And there were a lot of people I didn't know who were. So it was tough to again begin to build relationships. The homecoming was rather kind of unsettling, to be honest. I thought I was going home, but it was a different place. And during those unsettling times, a young girl began to witness to me about Jesus Christ. Her family especially had this dynamic relationship with God. And during that unsettling time, that's when God began to work in my life and opened the door of my heart to Jesus and he came to live inside me. Now what's interesting is although I'd gone to church all my life, and you may be in that situation, you may have gone to church all of your life. And you still may have never actually received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So I want to encourage you today to receive Him. I want to encourage you to open your heart and invite Him in. Matter of fact, I'm going to go on with the second point in this message. But if you're watching my television or you're here today and and you're thinking, I've never trusted Christ, you don't even need to worry about the second point. You just think about tonight during these next 10 or 15 minutes. I'd encourage you just to focus on this scripture And to decide to invite Jesus in as your Lord and Savior. To trust Him personally. But the second thing we see in this passage of Scripture is not only has Jesus made your heart His residence. Has He come in and been your Lord and Savior. But the second thing is this. Is Jesus Christ actually at home in your heart? Is He at at home in your heart as as Kenneth Wee said, that the Christ might finally settle down and feel completely at home in your hearts. See, the group of people that Paul was actually directing this letter to, that he was writing to, were already Christians. They had received Christ. They had been baptized. And Paul's prayer 
for them, as you see here, it says, is that they would be strengthened. Strengthened with power through His Spirit or the Holy Spirit. Where? In their inner man. Paul's desire was that they would draw upon the riches of God's glory. Now, we have all experienced this. There are people who love us. And there are people in our lives who are willing to sacrifice and give a great deal for us. But as much as they love us, and as, as much as they're willing to share their resources with us out of love, their resources are limited. I'll never forget my sister telling me, my sister is the oldest grandchild in our family of peacocks. And she told me one time, she went to Papa, Granddaddy. And again, she's the first baby girl of you know, a lot of grandkids. Papa, I need a car. She said that's the first time that she could ever remember he told her no. <laughs> I'm not buying you a car. <laughs> no matter how much somebody loves you, no matter how much resources they have, their resources are limited. Amen? We've all come to realize our resources are limited. But listen, God's resources truly are unlimited. God's glory goes beyond description. It goes beyond measure. It is actually inexhaustible. And Paul desired that the Ephesians would actually receive God's resources to enable them to be strengthened where? In their inner man. In their inner man. Now, I have always wanted to be stronger and bigger. It broke my heart a month ago. I was in Albany, Georgia, and I got to see face-to-face one of my best friends I hadn't seen in about 30 years. And he actually grew up. I was so depressed when I saw Mark. I mean, he is six, seven inches taller than I am. We used to be the same height. And we were both real wormy, you know what I mean? Kind of lean physiques or whatever. I mean, he's like this big guy. And I was like, I didn't want to drool when I saw him because, you know, that wouldn't be polite. But, you know, he's just a big old strong guy. I'm so proud of, of just physically who he's become. But I've always been kind of a small frame guy. And one of the things I want to be stronger, especially when you, you ever had a job where you're loading fertilizer bags? That's when you want to be stronger, because you're like, oh, gosh, this stuff's heavy. But I admit it, my outer, my outer body is weak. But you know what is the truth? My inner man is frighteningly weaker. You know, one little incident can set me off. I can be anxious, I can be critical. 
You know, we think we're doing pretty good as, as Christians. You know, we think, hey, I'm, I'm, doing this, I'm doing this pretty good until we are like severely tested. You know, like this afternoon, you're at home, you're reading the newspaper. And someone asks you to do something while you're reading the newspaper. And your initial reaction might not be to just put that newspaper and to jump up and do it. You're, you're thinking, can't you see I'm trying to read the paper? Can't you see that I'm trying to get better informed so I can pray more effectively for the world's condition? Isn't that what you're kind of thinking? I mean, just one little thing, anything, can get us, set us off, reveals that the inner man is weak. And that's what Paul was praying for. Paul wasn't praying that they would become a muscle-bound power team. He was praying for these Ephesian believers, that they would be strengthened with power, where? In their inner man. You know, test yourself. I'm not saying come up here tonight and let's lift the pulpit. No, test yourself. How strong are you in your inner man? You think, my inner man's fine. I wish you'd hurry up so we can go get some dinner. Well, see, that's a test. How strong are you in your inner man? Are you just thinking, Ken Hall, about going to eat? You know, shouldn't have mentioned your name. My wife told me never do that. I'm sorry. To be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in the inner man. Listen, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man is the same thing as Paul. It's the same thing as being filled with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 5.18, Paul says, Don't get drunk with wine. That's dissipation. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And what Paul is telling us here is that we are to be controlled, dominated, By the Holy Spirit. In 3.16 here, he's emphasizing being strengthened, being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that's the same thing. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means the Holy Spirit's directing you. The Holy Spirit's energizing you. That Jesus Christ is controlling your life. He's on the throne. He's Lord of your life. You're yielded to Him. And so that's the question tonight. Is Jesus Christ at home in your heart? What I mean is, is he at home in your heart or is he like standing in the front hall where he's knocked and you've opened the door and he's just standing there in the front hall? And you're chatting with him there. Or have you said, oh, come on in, Jesus, and go have a seat in the living room. How many of you have been in your living room in the last year? Okay. We never go in that living room. You know, those sofas in there just aren't very comfortable. You know, the TV isn't as good in there. Whatever, you know. So if you let Jesus into the living room and he sees you sitting in there by himself because you never go there. Or is he sitting at the dining room table? Now when was the last, raise your hand, when was the last time you ate, I'm talking about at your formal dining room table. Is there anybody eating there? Good, two people out of the whole church. Oh, four. Five, six. Good. Well, I'm glad there's not a totally wasted room. Okay. But if we invite Jesus to the formal dining room table, 
He's going to be a lonely person most of the time. If he's at that, you know, he's not going to feel at home if he's sitting at the formal dining room table. It t- let me tell you what, that's what Paul's praying here. He's trying to get it, you know, understanding being filled with the Spirit or yielded to the Spirit. It's not some kind of hocus-pocus mystical thing. Listen to what he's saying. He's saying, it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to be a person where Christ can completely be at home. See, if, if we make room in our hearts for Christ, if we make room in our hearts for the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit is going to make room for Jesus Christ. In essence, if we live moment by moment in conscious dependence upon and yielded to Christ, to the Holy Spirit, then He's going to feel at home. He's going to make room in our hearts. He's also going to eliminate some things. Things that are sinful. Things that are of the world. Things that we're holding on to. Things that we worry about and are afraid of. His presence is going to give us peace and confidence to trust Him. This is incredible. I mean, if it wasn't in the Bible, I wouldn't believe it. But listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, who has all authority in heaven and on earth, would be content and would love to live in your heart and life. That blows my mind. He delights in being at home in our hearts and lives, having fellowship with us. And if Jesus is not at home in our heart, what is? Is it a critical spirit? I don't have one of those. I just have constructive criticism. How about y'all? This morning, after early worship, I just couldn't wait. I couldn't hold it. I went and I said, Gary, I got a suggestion for you. (laughs) And I'm on the staff. You'd think I'd know better. But anyway. What is at home in our hearts? Is it pride? Is it worry and anxiety? Is it self-pity? Is it pressure to perform? Is that what's really at home in our hearts? Is that what's driving us? You see, when we're depending upon the Holy Spirit, when Christ feels completely at home in our hearts, then what happens? What's the result? Look at this. Being rooted and grounded. In love. It's not some kind of mystical, crazy thing. No. We're rooted. If Christ dwells in our heart, what He produces, He roots us. He grounds us. In what? In love. A love that's authentic. A love that's genuine. 
Jesus desires to be at home in our hearts, in our lives, because he wants us to know, he wants us to comprehend his incredible love, the love he has for us, the love he wants to express through us. And Jesus not only wants us to mentally grasp that by going, okay, I realize he loved me enough to come from heaven to earth and die on the cross for me. It's more than just intellectually grasping that. He, he desires that we experience that love. It's a love we can never, ever exhaust. Look at this. That you may be able to comprehend, verse 18, be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses what? Knowledge, he says. He wants us to experience that. A love that's superabounding, that's ever-present. You know, wouldn't it be fantastic to have somebody so close to us, somebody so permanent a resident in our life who loved us like that? Well, Paul's final petition as we look at this text is this. Look at what it says. Paul says, finally, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Paul's final petition is that we may be filled up to all the fullness of God. What a prayer! I mean, who would have ever even thought to pray that prayer? Has that prayer ever come out of your lips for somebody? Have you ever thought of, you know, I, 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 Paul's my neighbor, so I think about him frequently, you know. And I, but I've never prayed that Paul would be filled to the fullness of God. In Christ Jesus, we know in Jesus, he, the, the fullness of God dwells in Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ is completely at home in my life, then he's going to manifest himself through me. He's going to show himself. We will be filled with all the fullness of God if Jesus is at home in our hearts and lives. And that's Paul's desire, is that all the resources of God, all the resources that he makes available to believers, his prayer is that they would be available and appropriated in our life. Now, is this just a pipe dream? Is this just some kind of a Christian ideal that Paul's throwing out there? Is this pie in the sky? Are some of you tempted tonight to go now? Now, hold on, Paul. I don't know if your prayer is legitimate. Can God really work in our lives like this? Listen, listen to what Paul says. He's anticipating us. In case you have any doubt, verse 20. Now to him, who's able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Paul says, God's able. He's more than able. He's exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. God can deliver on his promises. God has already done the most fantastic work that we can even imagine. He's transformed, transferred, excuse me, every one of us here tonight 
from a kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of eternal life, giving us eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's incredible to think that God has pulled that off, not only in our lives, but in believers throughout the world, throughout time. He can bring this about. But the question tonight is this. He's got the power, but do you you desire that to happen? Do you desire for Jesus Christ to actually settle down and feel completely at home in your heart? We've all been there. We've all been to visit people. Maybe at their home, maybe at their office. Where there is no way you're going to relax and be yourself around them. You, you, it could be that you're terrified that you might break something that's beautiful. You know, sitting right where you're sitting beside you on a table. You would be, you know, you're just, you just can't be yourself because you're afraid. It's like maybe you're in a museum almost. Or you're, you're at an office and, and the person is so intimidating and you just, you just can't be yourself. You're afraid you might offend your host. You're afraid you might break or spill something. But the question tonight is, can Jesus be himself in your life? Can he do what he would like to do in your life? Or are you afraid to let Jesus feel too comfortable in your life? Are you afraid... You know, he might make some changes. He might rearrange a few things. Well, the question is simply this. When we're willing for Jesus to feel completely comfortable in our heart, then what he will do is he will take us and he will root us and he will ground us in his love. And according to God's word, he will fill us with the fullness of God. Now, I trust with all my heart that you feel at home tonight here at First Baptist Church. That as you've walked in these doors, you felt the love of Jesus Christ. But it's my prayer that you'll allow now Jesus Christ to feel completely at home in your heart. You know, whenever we gather as the body of Christ to share His Word and to worship through music and prayer... It's our tradition to to give a time of invitation. And so, tonight, as we close our worship, we're going to stand and sing in a moment hymn 177. There's something about that name, the name of Jesus. And if you have never opened your heart to Jesus Christ and received Him as your Lord and Savior, I would encourage you, just in the very quietness of your own heart, Tonight, September the 11th, 2011, it's basically at 7.55 p.m., that tonight, at this moment, you would just simply, humbly invite Jesus to come in and give us the privilege of being a witness to all that if you're in this sanctuary tonight. We would love to celebrate that with you. If you're watching my television, we'd encourage you just to, in the quietness of your own heart, where you are, pray to receive Jesus. But the majority of us gathered here tonight have already experienced that. And so what I would encourage you to do 
as we're standing and singing in a moment, is simply say, Lord Jesus, I want you to be completely at home in my life. I want you to feel free to go anywhere in and through me. Because I want to experience the fullness of your love, the fullness of God. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time to open your word. Thank you for your willingness to teach us. And just give us hearts that are willing to respond to you as you lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as Brother Gary comes to lead us. And let's sing hymn 177. There's something about that name. If God is speaking to your heart, you come and share that decision with me.